Two and a half years since Mind Podcast started. We could not have reached here without your support. Thank you. If you like new voices, fresh voices, and irreverent voices, do support Mind Podcast. Click on the pinned tweet on MindMakers or visit mind.net. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia and together with me is Sunanda Vashisht. How are you doing, Sunanda? Good. How are you, Adit? Uh, great, great. Uh, we, uh, excited to be debating this topic. We've been looking forward to this specific this debate for a long time. Yes. And we are very pleased to welcome our guest this week, uh, author, columnist, public intellectual and Kashmiri Pandit activist, uh, Sushil Pandit. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi, hi Sunanda and Adit. Great to have you on today. So Thank you. Wonderful. We've been, we've been waiting for we've been waiting to have you on Mind Podcast for a long time, and we were waiting for the right opportunity. And it seems that uh, the opportunity did present itself. I'm not sure if it's a happy opportunity, but it did present itself. So um, we are delighted to have you on the show. No, and I have to tell you uh, before we get into the discussion that uh, we absolutely loved uh, your intervention at the Jaipur Dialogues. Thank you. So that was excellent. So uh, without further ado, I think uh, we'll get into the uh, issues that have dominated the uh, the political discourse and the media discourse. Uh, Sunanda, why don't you kick things off for us? Yeah. So um, first, let me let's straight get into an issue that has not been discussed at all. I mean, other than I think one or two um, uh, debates that I saw on the same day. Other than that, I haven't seen much. This was a news broke, and this is not from the official sources. It seems that uh, an RTI um, disclosed that, uh, uh, you know, there was a gov government of India had actually thought of making some settlements, uh, separate settlements for Kashmiri Pandits so that they could be rehabilitated. It seems that that idea is off the board now, according to this. I haven't heard anything from the government channel. They haven't said anything, you know, um, approving this, agreeing to this or saying this is not right. I haven't heard anything from the government sources. So I just wanted to know from um, Sushilji that what is the latest on this and what has he heard? Uh, Sunanda made an interesting point about, I mean, she was telling basically how, what, ha what was the background of this RTI and stuff. So we, what we wanted to ask um, uh, you, uh, Sushilji, was about uh, where, where has, where has this gone? I mean, or is, has there any, is there any potential of this going further, or has it, has the cause taken a step backward? Yeah. So what happened was that a person asked government of India mm -hmm. a straightforward question as to what is your plan on rehabilitation of Kashmiri Pandits in their own homes and lands in Kashmir and in response to that the government of India very in plain and simple terms say, said that we do not have a plan mm -hmm. we do not have uh, any uh, idea uh, that we wish to implement in terms of return of Kashmiri Hindus back in Kashmir Valley. So, 
that was the crux of the matter but once this became public the government hasn't responded once this became public and there was this usual out- outcry that some of you did and some of us uh, did on the media the home ministry hasn't responded back if i'm not mistaken um absolutely uh, because they had nothing to say uh, what could they have said it was all written on paper in black and white unlike a statement issued by a politician who would say that you have misconstrued something mm-hmm. so even that these days is on record and tape yeah. so there isn't much space to wriggle about yeah. this is a straight forward question and a straight answer and there wasn't just an outcry mm-hmm. the so called uh, favorite channels of the government who generally bad for government policy and government decisions and political leadership leading the government they came out with scathing criticism and used the word betrayal mm-hmm. backstabbing mm-hmm. utter disappointment mm-hmm. and uh, were acidic about mm-hmm. their response to this issue mm-hmm. yet uh, government just chose to uh, look the other way not even uh, you know responded mm. in terms of we've heard you and yeah something about it nothing for the international audience i want to come in here and say that there are two facets to the kashmir problem that you often hear one is the problem of terrorism that is of course there and the indian government is dealing with that another is a humanitarian crisis of hindus of kashmir which people in the international circuit do not hear as much or hear it in a very jaundiced manner in a different way so what we are talking right now is about the return of these people who have lived in these in kashmir for 5000 years or if not more so at the moment after 27 years of exodus the only exodus after in uh, independent india independent mm-hmm. india has only seen one exodus of kashmiri mm-hmm. pandits um uh, you know one and there have been one, seven and well, overall but in order no, i'm, but I'm saying um, this has been the only temporary exodus which has now converted almost in the permanent um, exodus and there seems to be no plan of action to send kashmiri pandits back so i just want to ask you sushil ji after i gave that uh, thing what is the real problem that pandits face going back home is it a security issue is it a trust deficit issue or is it the simple that you know as simple as uh, after 27 years they don't want to go back because i often hear this from um, government channels so to speak that you know there is nothing we can do about the trust deficit that has to come by living there I am myself a victim of um terrorism in 1990. Uh, my family left with a um, shirt on our backs literally. So I I am just playing devil's advocate here and I want you to tell me how does this trust deficit thing work when people tell you that there is trust trust deficit and government can do nothing about it. See these terms like trust deficit is uh, is a is a very civilized way of describing what the actual reason is uh, we kashmiri hindus did not leave because there was some misunderstanding some quarrel some fight some uh, 
you know, over some some uh, petty issue, and uh, we got angry. We just got up and left. Uh, Kashmir uh, underwent a deliberate ethnic cleansing. It was part of an elaborate plan. Why did we have to leave? Why were we targeted? Is the question. And the answer to that will tell you as to why we cannot go back. We had to leave because Kashmir went through convulsions of uh, caused by jihad. A jihad which was unleashed on Kashmir in order to break it loose from Indian Union. And we were in the way because we Hindus, you must understand the demography and our, our presence in Kashmir. We Hindus in Kashmir were in each district, each town, each neighborhood, each village. We didn't live in ghettos in some small concentrations uh, dotting the valley. We were literally everywhere, even as one or two houses surrounding, uh, surrounded by a hundred uh, uh, Muslim homes. Absolutely. But we were there. Yeah. We were there in every village. Mm. And if in some stray village we did not live as one or two houses, we had access to them as teachers, as doctors, as postmen, as um, bankers, as insurance people, as employees of the government offering service, visiting that place, doing supervision and so on and so forth. So we knew the lay of the land, we knew the people, we knew the language, we knew who was up to trouble. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we were considered ears and eyes uh, of the Indian state because we were patriots, hmm. not yes. in our um, nightmares we could ever think of turning against India. So we were literally India personified in Kashmir. Yes. So if Kashmir had to break loose from the Indian Union, uh, we were a big obstacle. Yes. And hmm. therefore, we were targeted systematically as in our trophies, our icons, our best-known faces, the pride mm -hmm. of the, of our community were mercilessly targeted at homes in public places, killed brutally in order to send a message that if people like them are not safe and cannot be protected, mm -hmm. uh, what to think of a common Kashmiri Hindu? Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, uh, so when they made an example uh, such brutal examples out of our uh, most well-known and respected faces and names. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had no chance but to flee for our lives. Yes. And that is what we did. Yeah, absolutely. When our exodus is uh, soaked with blood and brutality, why would that jihad allow us back? Uh, to be another impediment, mm. uh, to be uh, another symbolization of India in Kashmir that they have worked so hard to erase from that land. Okay. Let me ask you something, uh, Sushilji. Let me come in there. So uh, you have just narrated the most heart-rending situation that has happened in Kashmir and uh, 700,000 so families had to um, you know, leave their home of 5,000 years. My question to you is, we are talking about 
rehabilitation of kashmiri pandits that is one and we have agreed that the government has really no plan and there are more questions that i know adit wants to ask you about that but my question is that even before our rehabilitation our story why is there not one narrative that has come from successive governments in last 27 years that this is why we had um, kashmiri pandits had to leave because if you know in there is not even consensus on why we had to leave forget about sending us back and and something that i want to before you answer that question something that i want to add to this as well that why have majority governments not been able to send the kashmiri pandits back so i think it's almost like the question is related to each other that they have not yet figured out the causation what sushil ji no no you said. are talking about the second part of sending us back i am asking sushil ji what is the reason that successive governments have not been able to give one narrative that this is why they left because of islamist fundamentalism that has not come come from government yet and we still have people because it has not come from this government or previous government or any other government in last 27 years we still have people talking about jagmohan sazesh and we came under jagmohan's uh, influence and that's why jagmohan who was the then yeah, governor correct, yeah. so my question to you sushil ji is that why has not an sit for example been set on this why has there not been one white paper from the government saying that this is why they left Sunanda, so that is the nub of the problem, and as Adit said, we this is these are these questions are Siamese twins. You know, mm. they can't be separated from each other. Yeah. Um, the the question as to why uh, the, the 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 very um, brutal question as to why we had to leave must be answered. before our return exactly. is even thought of exactly because if we do not honestly answer that question we are going in to be uprooted again if not in a few years in a couple of generations yes because if you deny a genocide if you paper over it if you try and hide it dilute it and somehow you know pretend that it didn't happen mm-hmm. then you are asking for refoulement you are asking for a repeat of it which is what has been repeatedly happening in kashmir hmm. this is not the first time we were turned out and the reason why from a 100% hindu majority region in 500 years it has been reduced to a hindu less region hmm. a, a hindu wipeout because there have been repeated exoduses and genocides mm. and none is being acknowledged there is a whitewash in the history and this government preceding government the entire political class the indian system the criminal justice system the media the legislators uh everyone is complicit in papering over it in whitewashing it in not accepting as to what happened mm. i must recall in 1994 parun kashmir went to national human rights commission and said kindly declare us victims mm. of ethnic cleansing mm. the government of india in a written submission 
said we left of our own volition. It was a blatant lie, a slap on our face. It was an insult to injury because barely a few months earlier, when India was hauled over coals in Geneva at United Nations Human Rights Commission by Pakistan for violating human rights in the state of Jammu and Kashmir, the government delegation headed by then leader of opposition, Mr. Atal Bihari Vajpayee, assisted by Salman Khurshid and Farooq Abdullah, Abdullah. Hmm. went there and said that if there are any human rights violations in the state of Jammu and Kashmir, it is of the Kashmiri Hindus. And they carried with them Kashmiri Hindu leaders of Panun Kashmir to give an elaborate presentation saying these are the violations, this is the number of killings, these are the temples destroyed, these are the heinous crimes committed in terms of rape and abduction. Mm. So uh, uh, a wide uh, spectrum of all these violations in a presentation was submitted to which Pakistan said that Kashmir is uh, uh, an unfinished agenda of partition. It is a Muslim-majority province. It had no business staying with India. And then the then uh, seasoned diplomat TN Call stood up and said, if unfinished agenda of partition uh, is what you call Kashmir, then partition entailed exchange of population. Which did not happen. Which did not happen. Yeah. So along with Kashmir, are you willing to take 10 crore Muslims on railway shacks? At which point Iran, which was one of the co-signatories to the resolution uh, condemning India, withdrew, it knew the implication and it knew what the entire story was and slowly other uh, group of Islamic countries uh, became lukewarm to the idea mm -hmm. and the resolution fell. Primarily because of Panun Kashmir's presentation that what happened in Kashmir was a genocide of Hindus, was an ethnic cleansing. Yeah. No, and then what... what a few months after, hmm. how you save your skin in the UN by advancing this very reason, mm -hmm. when you are back in Delhi, you in a written submission to United Nations, uh, to, to National Human Rights Commission, at that time headed by Justice Venkata Chalaya, they mm. so brazenly lying that we came out on our own volition. Why did they have to say so is because there's utter shame. So what did the government of the day do? Right. What, mm. what, what kind of a country are we? Mm. Signatories to the Human Rights Declaration of United Nations 1948, mm. having a criminal justice system, a police, of a parliament, elected representatives, yeah. police, army, government of India, I mean all of them turned important, deaf and dumb and blind and couldn't prevent it and are unable to even reverse it, dragging their feet on it because they want to treat the genociders of Kashmir with kid gloves, yeah. want to so-called win them over and therefore have given them amnesty have actually given them a complete immunity to prosecution for the crimes they have committed. 
So no, I don't know how there can be reconciliation without truth. No, If the truth is not spoken, I don't even understand why are we talking about rehabilitation because precisely, precisely. So the first prerequisite is, in fact, we must stay put wherever we are. I agree. Refuse to go back as some kind of lambs to slaughter. Yeah. As, as some kind of hostages to these jihadis. Because perhaps these jihadis did not realize, by turning us away, by killing us mercilessly and scaring us away, they have brought a permanent blemish to their so-called movement. Mm -hmm. Every time they raise their head as some kind of azadi fascists, yeah, yeah, self-determination, so-called, could mm -hmm. not tolerate a microscopic minority amongst yeah. you. What kind of an azadi movement is this? No, and in what you both said, actually, uh, I wanted to bring uh, a, a point here, which I I have seen so many uh, as as one of the non uh, only non pundit on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this point because Farooq Abdullah was the CM of Kashmir at that time, Jammu and Kashmir at that Correct. time, and he was. absent from duty he must have given about a thousand interviews after that not once is he questioned he must have questioned what is your opinion and they like, are ha kashmir to panditon ke bina adhura and all that not once is he questioned why were you, you on that no, night no, no, where were you and why did you not do anything to prevent this but who will ask him no he so he will come and make this claim i remember i saw this one interview and he was talk a kashmiri pandit lady was asking and he's like i, I will take you farooq abdullah will get you a house or something are farooq abdullah could not prevent the exodus of the 300000 people there he, 500000 people there he has this distinction you know of being the only chief minister under whose guard this entire exodus happened and goes the killings again, happened goes without getting questioned he once. has not been questioned even once not yeah, once so, so when you talk about politicians and stuff like that i find it bizarre that you when you have people accountable to standards i mean yahan to it's completely different so yeah. and it boils my blood sometimes yeah yeah let me let me ask another question to you sushil ji we have we have agreed that you know there has been this government has been lacking there were a lot of expectations uh, that kashmiri pandits had from this government just because they, they had been voted with majority and we they have been found lacking we don't have a blueprint now we know uh my question is as a representative of the kashmiri pandits what uh, is the kp community doing about this now panun kashmir and i'm sorry to say this and please correct me if i am wrong hasn't really for lack of a better word set things on fire you know i don't i i see them screaming i see them coming out whenever there is um any issue like that but i don't see them making any headway with the government is there any strategy lacking what is going on with that panun kashmir movement Hunky dory, 
So just wait for that moment and don't come in the way since you are essentially a patriot. Mm -hmm. uh, don't become a trade union mm. of sorts and uh, no, don't start bringing pressure, negotiating uh, for your uh, quote-unquote selfish needs. Mm. We will take care of you. Mm. Meanwhile, just uh, bear with us with patience. Correct. And uh, we also chances are and nobody has told me this you know in 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 in, in as many words but uh, the suggestions are that we also uh, thought that you know india as a state uh, will never be able to uh, look at kashmir with half the confidence of its own territory as it did before 1990 without kashmiri pandits there in the valley because we are the only flag bearers of nationalism. Of course, there is a large constituency of Muslim patriots in Kashmir. But the extent of radicalization is such that you can't tell one from the other. Because they are scared. They can't even open their mouth in public. Unless uh, they invite lynching. So, uh, with gun ruling the Kashmir uh, territory, Jammu and Kashmir uh, in general and Kashmir Valley in particular, uh, all of us thought that, you know, uh, let's, let's wait, let's wait for our time. Uh, till we realized that India has become an anomalous state that forget interests of Kashmiri Pandits, it, is, it isn't bothered about its own interests. Mm. And, and it has an intrinsic interest in its own survival. And just to so will India survive in Kashmir without Kashmiri Hindus is a basic question that a state needs to ask itself. And if it is not able to answer it urgently, I will have to come to a conclusion that Indian state is complicit in mm. its own dismantling in the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Correct. Yeah, no, another thing that we have to ask also ourselves about when we talk about radicalization, now it's taken a different uh, thing. You have seen ISIS flags propping up in Srinagar. So you had the Pakistani flags first, now you are having ISIS flags. So that is the extent of radicalization that has gone there. But this brings me to an in interesting point and uh, I want to wrap, uh, wrap up this uh, section. Arit, there, there, huh? there is a reason for it. Huh? Uh, uh, and and huh. my understanding is... Hmm that what you started with in Kashmir in mm. 1947 when you handed it on a platter to Sheikh Abdullah mm. was create a, 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 a clone of Pakistan mm. on the territory of India. Mm. We had just emerged from a brutal partition mm. on the basis of two-nation theory and uh, a Hindu-Muslim divide and Jawaharlal Nehru in his wisdom thought that Kashmir would become a certificate of our secularism if we allowed an unbridled enclave of Muslim politics in that territory, Muslim identity politics. Mm. So he stopped the secular democratic a constitutional mechanism which prevailed in rest of India at the borders of the state of Jammu and Kashmir. He created an exception in terms of the system he offered there, hmm. which had 
no guarantees of fundamental rights of minority protection of all the progressive systems that prevailed in rest of india irrespective of caste creed religion faith mm, yeah and allowed in kashmir an enclave of muslim dominance and muslim identity politics now if when you start with such premises you do not control the trajectory of that politics yes it started as muslim identity politics it degenerated into muslim grievance mongering politics mm mm-hmm. it from there went on to become muslim separatist politics mm mm-hmm. from muslim separatist politics it became pro pakistan secession politics and now it is jihad and now it has become full blown jihad separatist politics yeah yeah so it is only a a step up mm. from each previous step mm. it is a question of gradation it is a question of degree mm. that it has consistently mm. committed mm. and 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 sunk deeper mm. uh, from from one uh, shade to 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 a worse shade mm. and uh, what we have today is is this so <laughs> it, it only stands to reason mm. we have allowed it to happen mm. we have you know with a nudge and a wink let this happen yes which is why i say uh, it is not recent that indian state seem to behave in a very extraordinary manner to its own uh, decimation systematic decimation in the state of jammu and kashmir mm-hmm. it has been at it for the last 70 years correct but we refuse to see it as as it happened as it yeah. unfolded yeah. yeah yeah and we continue to walk in that swamp even after knowing what this kind of politics has done to us Correct. the last elections two elections both lok sabha and assembly elections were a resounding mandate for the reversal of these policies mm. but those who received this mandate have continued with this policy this is the tragedy now parun kashmir also like rest of india invested in this political leadership and process in the hope that these policies now will be reversed but we are left as helpless bystanders Mm-hmm. But let me ask you this um you are visibly upset with the government and uh, understandably so but the other end of the kashmir problem is also the terrorism problem the government will tell you that this year we have seen so many terrorists dead at the hands of security forces we have seen we have not given them a leeway any form of leeway we have been very tough as far as security is concerned would you give them that um credit or no you see uh, no i don't think they deserve this credit at all mm-hmm. and let me tell you why mm-hmm. uh kashmir issue has now uh, several dimensions and security is one such dimension with army literally sacrificing its best and the brightest in kashmir to protect it mm. has developed a stake mm. it cannot be now cannon fodder at the hands of politicians and bureaucrats anymore so when army says that we have counter insurgency operations and they will have uh, 
a mind and life of their own because we need to eliminate the guns and there cannot be any exceptions to it even an elected government in the state of jammu and kashmir cannot afford to come in the way hmm. uh, afspa is there is there for good yes if the guns are there for good yes so these issues are now beyond the hands of politicians okay and they are making a virtue out of this compulsion hmm. remember Uh, a nambi pambi government that preceded this government of dr manmohan singh had literally tried to you know they they pompously claimed that we were a signature away from a settlement with pakistan yes. there was some four point settlement that musharraf had to yeah where siachen had to be so called demilitarized yeah. oh. where sir creek had to be bundled yeah and same musharraf who to said pakistan today that he was friends with hafiz said yeah Yeah. And Pakistan and Indian Army put its foot down. Yeah. Came in the way. Luckily for us, Musharraf went out of office. Mm. Before that, even Vajpayee government had similar adventure in mind, but it didn't survive the 2004 elections. So, mm. so Divine has been very kind <laughs> in intervention, backing <laughs> off one government or, or the other. Yeah. That such. Uh, abominable settlement is avoided yeah. i think what sunanda was probably trying to say was also that the central government is giving a freer hand to the army than the previous central governments would be and that could be true could not be true but as sushil ji was saying that's 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 a, that's a deeper technical point uh, not as much related to the greater kashmiri pandit issue or kashmiri issue ha, but and and also what you said on the musharraf point was significant he came out saying that he was the biggest supporter of lt and so, hafiz say uh, so i mean i i, I pray to god that uh, as the indian channels news channels want to yearly interview him i do, i hope they don't interview him this year they haven't called him for um, hindustan conclave. times uh, conclave goodness <laughs> no. i wouldn't be surprised if they did i really wouldn't be surprised goodness gracious there so, there is a whole constituency in india that used to be you know completely fawning at musharraf i don't know why i mean the architect of kargil but kargil, anyway exactly so hold, hold on thought on that sushil ji uh, we're going to take a quick 5 second break on this one and then in part 2 we'll talk a little bit about the current affairs issues and uh, we'll wrap, wrap it up the debate so creating discussions sushil ji uh, from we went from the kashmiri pandit uh, why this happened from the roots of jihad so in kashmir to in 1994 what had happened and i thought that part about iran was very fascinating what sushil ji mentioned and to the current problem and uh, what is the bjp pdp government doing or not doing actually they have the crisis of their own to uh, mm. deal with by the way sunanda i want to uh, you to do bhavishyavani on mind podcast what is the bhavishyavani uh, when are we going to see lok sabha elections in anantnag <laughs> <laughs> I am told uh, before you answer the, the 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 laughter of the panelists should tell you one story. <laughs> so then I'll complete what no, you. But say. it was a you know I have gone on record. I have gone on record that this government should be ashamed of themselves because every single government after Vajpayee and even Manmohan Singh was able to conduct elections. So this is hall of shame, really. If you are not able to conduct elections in Anantnag, um, I have nothing. And you know to what say. is Anantnag? Yes. Anantnag is a constituency vacated by the sitting S- chief minister exactly. of Kashmir. Exactly. Exactly. And, and previously <laughs> represented by the deceased chief minister of Kashmir. Pre- the yeah. minister in that constituency is a brother. Yes. Yes. And she is not able to hold that uh, yeah. election. So mm-hmm. 
unless and until that happens i'm not going to believe all those success stories the cinematographer of heather fabian yes. bharadwaj's movies i know so this anyway. with tasaddukh hussain <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyways uh, <clears throat> had to put that in there we'll talk about your second piece on that <laughs> uh, but but anyways let's let's go a little uh, southward from kashmir a little westward i think to what has happened in gujarat from my state to your state huh, i mean uh, were you I'm, feeling left out i'm no, sorry no no please you think have you seen the coverage <laughs> i know coverage of gujarat is uh, nobody would even think that uttarakhand is also up for election in himachal sorry and himachal. That, that exactly is the point sonanda <laughs> gorder states confused <laughs> because gujarat is all over the news anyway himachal yes uh, yes bechara uttarakhand ke cm wo uh, i forget his name uh, he must have, he must be scared i know i am just in the news what uh, happened so, yeah anyway uh, anyways so tell, no, tell me about gujarat yeah mr Ra- rawat ha, mr yeah. rawat mr rawat i keep thinking mr khanduri but no no no, no rawat khanduri uh, is what you want one wanted. is hope <laughs> one is hope <laughs> another one is the reality <laughs> so no let's anyway, let's talk about what has happened so there was this issue with the somnath uh, no but what is what is this what you have done you gujaratis have done this poor kashmiri pandit fellow goes there and you make him a janyudhari um, brahman janyudhari hindu What are you doing? That's what a lot of people allege. Now, if five years Sardar Patel would have been the CM, another Pandit might have said the same thing. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, but no, I I don't know. I really don't know. And uh, I I don't know the issue about the Somnath thing. There are multiple narratives about it out there. Whatever the narrative be, Ramdeep Singh Surjewala's press conference was the most bizarre thing ever. And uh, a lot of people who have come in. Uh, and tuned in to listen to us talking about shehzad punawala we are not going to talk about that because that's a non issue i don't know why news channels are focusing on it so well, i have an interesting anecdote here yeah, please, please go yeah. please go the janeu bait is a replay of the history you know in 1962 general elections huh. nehru had to come out as a janeu dhari hindu acha why i did not know this I'll tell you. Uh-huh. You in 1962, this statement of his that I am a Hindu, accidental Hindu. I am a Hindu by yes. the accident of birth. Yes. Because by education I am a European, and I by upbringing, cultural upbringing, I am a Muslim. Yeah. I am a Hindu by just a coincidence of birth. Is is a statement that came to haunt Jawaharlal Nehru because mm-hmm. he used to berate Indian tradition, culture. Faith as something obscurantist, anti-deluvian, and so on and so mm. forth. Mm. So combined opposition put up a candidate, a, a very venerable, uh, respected, and well-known sannyasi called Prabodhat Brahmachari, Fulpur mm. mm. against okay. Fulpur. Yes. And this campaign suddenly became so huge. and this candidate became such a huge rival that jawaharlal nehru <coughs> was told and he agreed with the suggestion of standing waist in waist deep water topless in prayag and wearing a janeu holding in his hands and doing a tarpan to fun wow oh my god it was clicked those posters were published and splashed all over constituency when prabodhat brahmachari saw that he said my mission is over oh my god <laughs> you know <laughs> so he 
his, his, his great grandfather to come on his knees and proclaim himself to be a Sanatani Janayudhari Hindu and where in the middle of Prayag at the confluence of Ganga, Yamuna and Saraswati and doing tarpan to Surya in the middle of an election someone as Jawaharlal Nehru had to do it so can you see this desperation also runs in the blood? Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I, I had no idea about this. Not, fascinating anecdote yeah. <laughs> about this. And, and and I agree with you. It runs in the blood. And and like I always joke, there is something about Somnath. Always <laughs> or, or something because, interesting happens. So, yeah. so, um, uh, so Sunanda, Sunanda had, a, uh, had a funny take on that too. That about the Tandav and so forth. I know. Twitter. I was, yeah, I was just saying that, you know, there are seven types of Tandav known. So this was Rudra Tandav. <laughs> so this was really Rudra that he had to go and um, claim, proclaim himself. But anyway, this, this, and then they came around and saying that, you know, religion is not important. Why do you worry about the religion? So, you know, if religion was really not important, then why do you uh, do appeasement based on religion? And then somebody also actually came and wrote to mind makers and said that why should we not know? And this was a very important point. She said, why should we not know the religion of people who we vote for? Because in turn, they want to know our religion in order to give us jobs and everything else. They want to know our religion. Why should we not know their religion? Because that's how they formulate policy based on your religion and based on your caste. So why should it not be the other way around? So the, I thought that was a very you know cryptic point, but that was a very interesting point right there. There's one more issue here. Yeah, go ahead. And 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 probably this this should not. Be be allowed to be permeated as a lie. You know and I know that in our rituals, Yagnopavit Dharan ceremony Ji. Ji. is almost as big as a wedding. Of course, I was just telling it to somebody the other day. Yes, yes. Hey, you, you cannot one fine morning wake up <laughs> and say that you wear a janeo. No, you cannot, no. Unless you've gone through this elaborate ceremony. That, you know, is for days, if not uh, and an entire day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a complete, it, it, you cannot just say that. It's, I, a, it's, a, it's a very, very elaborate sanskar. Yes. It's a Yagnopavit sanskar. Yeah. And, you know, in our, in our customs, a marriage cannot be solemnized of a boy unless he has been through this sanskar. True. Not just marriage, any other uh, sanskar cannot happen unless... Yagnopavit Sanskar has not been done. So yeah. If this man is a Janayu Dhari Hindu, we would like to know when was this done to him? Yeah. <laughs> and who did it? I mean, who what was the ceremony? Yeah, who presided over the ceremony? Yes. Yeah. The entire community gathers. Yes. The person who actually does this ceremony uh, gets a, a a, a bounty yes. from all the relatives. Yes, hmm. yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I can, is, I can vouch for what Sushil Ji is saying. People can miss your marriage. People yeah. can probably, you know, not be able to come to a cremation. Yeah, but Janevu they never miss. Extremely particular to attend a Yagnopavit ceremony. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. I agree, I agree. Especially among Kashmiri Hindus. Yes, it's a huge, it's one thing that we have maintained over the years. Uh, even in Exodus, they, you know, Kashmiri Pandits may not do a lot of things, but uh, Yagnopavid is always done with a lot of, uh, 
respect and a lot of um, you know we spend a lot of time doing this this is something that's very important to us but anyway moving ahead uh, moving ahead and a very interesting points on this because uh, uh, let me ask you final take final i don't think we'll get another a podcast to do this what is your final numbers in gujarat 100 205 for bjp i have said that before i'm going to stick you're sticking numbers. to your point yes. next podcast i'm going to ask you Absolutely. you are the resident cephologist 100 to 105 i have spoken to people on the ground on the ground privately they agree I mean, with, huh? it is not three digits it is as good as the defeat yeah, yeah. I, I agree if it's below 100 it will be and another thing also there have been a lot of uh, quote unquote rebel congress candidates so I don't think uh, if BJP has 92 seats and then 10 rebel congress MLAs it would consider itself in a comfortable position no it would want on its own they have to win three own. digits yes and also uh, it is it would be very important for the CM as well for his mandate because uh, even even in his own seat the contest is very close so uh, Rajkot too, which is a traditional Rupani's, Rupani's own constituents, yeah. Is. And also because he was appointed in the last one one and a half year or something, he's seen as a very clean man. But there is a issue with the dynamic dynamism and so forth. Yeah. And I've written my piece on this in detail, uh, which which talks about why. But the real crux of the real crux here is, and it would it was of course going to be very difficult for Congress to come back. But this election, if if uh, the BJP had faltered on a couple of issues, namely GST and stuff. Congress supposedly should have been a lot more aggressive, yeah. but it's we've not seen that. But on they have uh, changed their strategy on a lot of local MLAs and stuff. How that will pan out remains to be seen. And uh, Prime Minister Modi still to do about fifteen twenty rallies, but that's what my number is. Okay, hundred to hundred five. We buy that our listeners. Adit, yes. Speaking of rebels. Mm-hmm. BJP has just expelled 24 of its rebels who are fighting elections. Yep. Mm. A lot of people have uh, filed nominations as their independent Independent. candidates. Yes. And a lot of Congress uh, Congress leaning independents have withdrawn. In Ahmedabad, I can tell you on three or four seats. Interesting. Interesting. So this this is this is probably one of the closest elections that I've seen in Gujarat. Uh, Again, two weeks is a long time in Indian politics. So anything can happen. But let's see what happens. Let's see what yeah, happens. In two weeks and statistically, be- one must remember that Congress in its worst ever performances has never plummeted below 40%. Right. Mm. right. And BJP has struggled to cross 48 So what comes in between is a 4% vote. Yep. Yeah. If yep. that, and it's a bipolar polity. Yes. yes. If you lose it, the other one gains it. Right, right, right. right. All you need for parity is a 4% shift. Which isn't big. Yeah, I agree with you. And and a lot of people uh, look at the 2014 Lok Sabha numbers and say, and I'm like, the issues are not the same. Maybe if the two, if there were Lok Sabha elections now, Modi might have polled what he polled in 2014. But they are not voting for Narendra Modi as the PM this time. And local local issues do matter. So what uh, Sushilji was saying, especially 48 and 39, five percent swing and anything could happen. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Fascinating times. Uh, One last thing I wanted and we are about to end uh, we are getting close to the end one last thing i wanted to end like we, when we talk about the indian prime minister and how you know his uh, talk with barack obama and stuff is a different thing but this week something happened in the united states which shocked the hell out of me the prime minister the president of united states publicly tweeted against the pre- prime minister of its closest ally united kingdom yeah. when he tweeted retweeted videos from a far right british party theresa may said he shouldn't have done that and 
he almost rebuked her to which Theresa May stood her ground yeah but what uh, in the heck is going on you know trump isn't exactly the most stable person around so i don't know why this entire diplomacy has to happen on twitter no the reason why i'm is- saying is, is when people around on tv studios say this nonsense that right is rising and put like modi and trump in the same bracket man they're not even in the same list no i have i have written a piece about yeah. that no i don't consider that uh, i don't or consider even that, and trump no, for that trump's matter. rise is not rise of right trump right is not rise of conservatism at all and on the, so the, I don't, the irony I don't of all irony is michael flynn who had given the slogan lock her up to hillary or something might be yeah, guilty, guilty. He's and he's, he might just bring uh, trump down with him we don't know so, we don't know. anyways we'll see. We'll uh, see that. sushil ji before we end we have to get one recommendation from you something non-political something uh, or that you would recommend to our listeners Something non-political or yeah. political? No, so non-political. As in, like some movie, uh, place, you know, book, anything. Ah, uh, so uh, there is a book. Um, well, it can't go too far away from uh, what we've discussed. <laughs> a gentleman called Dr. Rajat Kanti Mitra. Mm-hmm. He is a clinical psychologist. Uh, he studied at Harvard. He is a doctorate. Um, in this subject he is married to a kashmiri hindu lady uh, and together they have done a book called the infidel next door oh. it is published by amazon well huh. mm. about and and hang on it's a it's a very interesting uh, professional take on what has happened to this community and he's he's come up with a term called transgenerational trauma he says some 40 generations of kashmiri hindus in the last 5 600 years have lived this trauma and it has almost singed their minds and therefore their behavior their actions their thinking their impulses their intuition everything had carries this mark it is scar Oh. and he has because in order to prevent it from becoming a, a scientific paper a professional paper and therefore beyond the reach of uh, lame readers he's fictionalized it into a story mm. uh, telling the history of this community and its transgenerational trauma mm. and the story is called the infidel next door interesting it's a fascinating book mm. i interviewed him Um, on this book uh, last month mm-hmm. and i put it up shared it on my facebook page uh it's an interesting book and probably uh you might uh, see uh, a bit of you and a bit of me and a bit of people you know in that book in those situations in those conversations mm-hmm. as to what happened in kashmir the infidel next door wow. absolutely thank you and and the, the, the the reason why i jumped at excitement is because dr mitra is actually a columnist for mind makers <laughs> so <laughs> ha and he actually we were talking about this book we might feature a book review uh, by someone on this soon and an excerpt but he actually wrote a piece on this about why the building of birla mandir in delhi was so significant because it was a hindu temple built after 1000 years 1000 years in delhi 
and he talks about this transgenerational trauma in that and that so, piece went viral to the extent that i have never seen anything i should probably send it to you and because everyone said that we had never and i have lived in delhi all my life and they said we why has no one ever told us why birla mandir was so important that in delhi which is completely lost its hindu heritage this temple was built after 1000 years and he kept talking about this trans generational trauma you're saying that hindus were almost afraid that the first temple really came up in 1936 unbelievable after 1000 years this is the piece he has written so and i have slightly grimmer uh, fact to give you uh huh Delhi is uh, literally the cradle of the civilization that is India as we know it. Right. Because Delhi is is where Mahabharat, Indraprastha, Indraprastha, Napur mm. is is Delhi and its surroundings where it took place, and Kurukshetra mm. where the battle was fought. Mm. So for a, a civilization, for a culture which is so old, you do not have. Even a hundred-year-old temple within hundred-kilometer radius of Delhi, not even one. Wow. Not even one, as an exception. Wow. You have a five hundred, six hundred-year-old mosque. You have a three hundred-year-old cathedral. Exactly. You do not even have a one hundred-year-old temple. Why has this not been told to us? This is what the region and the people have been subjected to. It's not building of a new temple in one thousand years. It is not even having one temple which is hundred years old. Wow, wow! And why, why were we not told about this? Exactly, exactly. That is the question. Yeah. We have been put on tranquilizers in the last hundred years of hmm. our history writing and of our academia. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 What I mean, uh, uh, it's grim. It's truly it's, grim. It's it just gave me goosebumps. Grim. grim, yeah. I mean, what, I just, just when you think, off. yeah. When you think about that, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. So, Sunanda, your recommendation this week? You know, I actually started reading Amisha's Sita, the okay. Warrior Mithila. I actually have it on, in, you know, right here. So I have just gone about uh, five, ten pages, and um, I am not particularly. I was not particularly found. Probably the only one on the planet who did not care about Immortals of Meluha as much. That series, mm. um, but somehow Sita seems fascinating. So I will have to wait to give my book review. But I'm that is what I'm reading at the moment. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 got to get back to uh, my books. I've no actually uh, realism, realist reading, so to speak. I've been reading uh, a fiction uh, book right now by Dan Brown called Origin. It's uh, he's tried to mix mix science fiction with uh, current affairs, like what he normally does. But this one isn't as gripping so far. But with all Dan Brown books, it's only after a hundred pages that it grips you in, and then the climax lets you down. Interesting. So, <laughs> so Interesting. Let, let's see if this will live. up to the hype anyway so these are our three recommendations this week uh thank you so much sushil ji for joining this was a fascinating discussion thank you you're most welcome and some, some we learned uh, we learned a lot from you and we hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we did oh we did actually yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, this conversation is fascinating uh, nothing better to start your weekend with Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, to all our listeners, we'll be back soon. Um, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. This is Aditya and Sunanda signing off.